In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. Still interested? Our TV and film reboot remake podcast for Curio. I am, as always, your what is it? Monday Night Boy, Ben McAllister, and I'm your Candy Boy, Jackson Newson. That's a better one for this film, but you're already giving it away because here we are, Jackson. We've just watched a movie. There are a lot of films about candy. Okay, <laughs> that's true. Number one, that's true. Hard Candy, Chocolat. Um, Hard Candy is actually about a pedophile. Never okay. mind. <laughs> yeah, we'll just pretend that that didn't Wreck-It Ralph, arguably. Wreck-It Ralph, yes. There's lots of candy-related themes. Sweet Delight. Yeah, there's probably a movie called Sweet Delight. Yeah. But we're not talking about any of those movies. We're, of course, talking about the 1971 cult classic Mel Stewart-directed, perplexingly titled Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, we, we've in, in the lead-up to this, we've spoken a number of times about watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, yeah, this is and one that's been on the list we, for a while. Yeah, we sort of got here and we're like, oh wait, it's it's Willy Wonka. And yeah. even though the Roald Dahl novel is... Uh, the Roald Dahl novel is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The 2005 remake is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But for some reason they decided to call the 1971 movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Which, you know, I guess fair enough. I think it, like, it sticks to the attitude of this film, which is, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I think that's sort of like, that's, a, it's really, uh... That's an important thing. <laughs> the movie opens, and we're getting a kind of like, it's like when you go to a musical and there's like a, you know, an overture. It's like, mm. it's just like a musical overture, it's kind of like playing through some some different music, and then it drops into like... Which is, of course, the iconic Come With Me song. Yeah. But the thing I, I've noted about here... So the, the opening montage that this uh, song is playing behind is just like a bunch of chocolate being made, right? This seems really out of tone to me. Because, yeah. like, this is mundane chocolate manufacturing. Just stuff you'd expect to see in a real chocolate factory, which is thoroughly at odds with what we come to understand Willy Wonka's factory to be like. Yeah, you know? that's very true. I, the only thing I can see in defense of that is that it wants to lull you into a false sense of security. Yeah. So you come in, Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you're like, oh, this is going to be a straightforward movie about chocolate. It's a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a documentary about how Willy this, Wonka. this weird guy called Willy Wonka yeah. who makes his chocolate and people eat it. Yeah. Um, I will say this. Made me very hungry, and I'm still very hungry. It was extremely delicious looking. Yeah, you just want to like, you know. I'm talking about the semi-mythical chocolate mm. that, like, we come to understand is a central component of Willy Wonka's mm. brand. Mm. You know, he's making everlasting gobstockers. He's making exploding candy. He's making fizzy lifting soda and all this crazy wacky well, shit. Well, it's worth like it's worth talking about real quick. And this is like jumping ahead a bit, but like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, not that much chocolate. It should be Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Come on. <laughs> Willy Wonkin. <laughs> you should just change his name. That's a better name. No. It should be Willy Wonka, colon, 
A confectioner. <laughs> yeah. Purveyor yeah. of fine confection. Or like Willy Wonka, the candy man. I'll yeah. Like that, I mean, know? the candy man. Funny that you should say that, Jackson, because the very first thing we see after this opening montage is... A stampede! Yes, a stampede of hungry children. We see these ravenous children, almost infected by rabies, bursting through these school doors yeah. and running en masse. And you better believe it's the late 60s, early 70s in England. You can tell just by looking at it. You, you just can. They burst into this chocolate store, and holy shit, there's a guy in there who Bill. knows... Bill's candy shop It must be Bill the candy man He knows all the kids man He's always like Ah a twisty for Roger And a scrumper for Genevieve (laughs) And he's just like Handing out these candies None of these kids pay him No He's just giving them candy Well yeah This guy like then Bursts into song And everyone's like Fucking yeah Bill Fucking bring it home And as he's like Dancing around this store He's doing the showiest performance Just like Throwing candy Over the children Like shooting chocolates at them He's singing the candy man Yeah Who can take the sunshine The candy man can Yeah It's all very good Dude he, he's an incomparable showman. Surely, though, he must be in immense debt. Hemorrhaging money right now. <laughs> because literally, he's like, oh, children, let me just get you whatever you want. Just, just like fucking popcorn. machine gun style shooting like candy drops into these children's mouths. He gets like a big tray of M&Ms and just fucking throws them at all the like, kids. Like pulls them over their heads. Yeah, like, it, oh. yeah, it's pretty fucked up. This scene gives us a lot, man. First thing, like... Do you remember, like, as a kid watching this movie, I assume you've seen it before. Mm. I definitely saw it in childhood a couple of times. Yeah. Like, just wanting, not chocolate, but specifically Wonka chocolate. Yeah, dude. So bad. It looks like, so good. It just looks, and the, the wrappers mm. just look so appealing. Like, they're so vibrant and colourful. And, like, I don't know if I guess it was probably around 2005 when the remake was coming out. Like, there was, do you remember, like, there was a period where I think probably Cadbury or Nestle was yeah. selling, like, Wonka chocolate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I feel like it was, like, rare, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like there, there was, like, Wonka-branded chocolate, but I feel like no one really capitalised on that. For me, it was always, like, the Willy Wonka show bags at the Royal Show. Well, yeah. So... Um, for international uh, yeah, for audience. This audience. is an incredibly esoteric <laughs> it is, yeah. Anyway, okay. the point is, uh, there's the Perth Royal Show, which is just kind of like a, I don't know, an agricultural feast. I mean, it's the Royal Show. Yeah, exactly. It's the Queen's the Show. The Queen's Show. Um, but there's just like animals and like food stalls and all that shit. And you can buy show bags there. And one of the show bags every year was like the Wonka show bag. Yeah. And it had all these Wonka branded treats inside. Yeah, yeah. Like your gobstoppers and your like fucking nerds ropes. Because, <laughs> because you know, Wonka made those, yeah, I guess. I guess so. Is there just Nestle products? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck. Anyway, this is my first point of remakeability. Just fucking delicious looking chocolate. Oh, dude, like, I had that as well. It's gotta be yeah, in there. Like, be in in there. Straight but that's not the only thing this scene gives us. This scene gives us also my first title pitch for the movie, which I think is pretty fucking decent. It's a line in the song, The Candyman. Separate the sorrow and collect up all the cream. <laughs> which I think will become increasingly relevant as this yeah, movie goes that's, on. That's, that's a recipe, dude. And exactly, becomes the Wonka child murder factory. <laughs> which is what this movie is really about. I um, I gotta throw in here, Bill the Candyman? You know he's getting MVP yeah, from I, me, dude. I had that as well. Like, the, the performance of this song. A, the song is catchy as shit. But yeah. B... 
He's just, he's, listen, he's performing this role which is entertaining and, like, just so eye-catching and could not be performed in today's environment. Yeah, that's... There's no way you can have this, this candy man just, like, dancing around these children in 2017. It just wouldn't happen. You're dead right. I think, yeah, this scene's given us a lot of things. And moving right along, we see... Little Charlie with his face pressed up against the window. And we're to understand that he can't afford to go in there and buy some chocolate, which is bullshit, because he's giving it away for free. (laughs) Charlie can't just go in there and get free chocolate with the rest of the fucking kids that aren't paying a dime. Man, that would be a horrifying, like, extra scene to add. Like, Charlie runs in trying to grab one of, like, the fucking M&Ms he's thrown out. He's like, you, get out of here. None for you, poor child. Free chocolate for the rich only. That yeah. was yeah, the rich get real, richer. The classes manifesto of this film is really powerful. Dude, like it fully is. There's <laughs> more going on later. There we go. Yeah, so all the rich kids are getting free chocolate, but Charlie has a job. Yeah. So Charlie goes over. He turns out he's a paper boy. The world's worst paper boy. Yeah, what? Probably one of the worst because he delivers a grand total of three newspapers and just like no, no, it doesn't <laughs> warn anyone or anything. Just throws it at people from such a distance. Yeah. He walks up to this guy and the guy's like, say hi to your grandpa Joe for me. Which, we'll come back to why that makes no fucking sense. But anyway, he puts precisely three newspapers in Charlie's hands. He runs and is like, newspaper, newspaper, newspaper. And then he runs home. So Charlie's walking through this small town and happens to stumble across the Wonka factory. The chocolate factory. And so it's all gated up, it's all locked off. And as he's watching, there's this big old, um, almost like a pipe from a furnace sort of thing. Um, and it lights up one letter after the other. W-O-N-K-A. Yep. Wonka. And then as Charlie's taking this all in, he just hears this strange man. This spooky old just man. yell out this, like, mystic poem to him, yeah. essentially. And this guy's just, essentially, like, he says these weird words and kind of like, no one goes in, no one's come out. And then walks away, carrying this cart of blades. For some reason, this man is just yeah. carrying I mean, blades when, when around the streets away, of London. You mean cycles away yeah. on yeah, his yeah, yeah. bike. He's like, it, it's like the setup to a horror movie. Yeah. Which, to be fair, fair enough. And also because, pretty appropriate yeah, for this film. This movie's fucking horrifying. Yeah. So now Charlie goes home. He gets into his house. Like, if, you, if you've never read this book or seen any of these movies, like, you, you probably will find this incredibly strange. He, all four of his grandparents live in one big bed. They've all been in bed for 20 years. Yeah, they've been bedridden for 20 years. Charlie's yeah. father's dead. His mom takes care of the whole family. Grandpa Joe's like, Charlie works too hard for a little boy. I wish yeah. he could go play in the yeah, sun. Yeah, he needs something to play. Uh, Grandpa Joe is also about to eat his dinner, which is uh, <laughs> which, which is his horrible <laughs> soup, essentially. Charlie comes in and is kind of like... What what's going on? Everyone's like, Charlie, get over here! And Grandpa Joe's like, Oh, we're just about to eat dinner. And then Charlie looks down and is like, I'm fed up with cabbage water. <laughs> cabbage water's not enough. I need more. Yeah. And Charlie has used his pay to buy a loaf of bread. A big, delicious looking. And loaf of bread. everyone in this house is like, What a feast! <laughs> Some bread for me. Feast. So Charlie um, then hands his mother the rest of his money that the he's made. From yeah, his from purchase. his from his bread purchase. And it's a very he's a very sweet boy. But wait, he's like, hang on, mother. Except for this, and then takes a coin and walks over to Grandpa Joe <laughs> and is like, "I saved you some money, so you can buy your cigarettes." And like, um, <laughs> gra- Grandpa Grandpa Joe's like, "Oh, Charlie, no!" And he's like, "No, listen, Grandpa Joe." And here's my first title pitch: From now on, I'm going to pay for your tobacco. 
He's like, you know what you do, old man, when you lie in bed all day? You fucking deserve this. You deserve this tiny pittance that I've eaten out delivering three newspapers a week. And I get that it's the 70s and that sort of thing. And also we live in Australia, which, like, in terms of cigarettes makes a different thing. But the idea of this, like, old bedridden man within this tiny house just smoking his pipe yeah. he's just kind of like that's so rude it's not a cigarette it's pipe tobacco <laughs> I know. Like, you just gotta imagine yeah Grandpa George just fucking smoking out the house and man. the other three are like please stop yeah, but he's we're really, close to death he's the only one who smokes I guess but you yeah. know good on him for being alive I wanna know how this person lives with himself I know. Grandpa Joe taking this small pittance that his <laughs> like 10 year old grandson I mean earned. surely you refuse like and like he kind of like is like ah oh, Charlie no and then he's like alright Charlie, sure. Uh, Grandpa Joe's talking to Charlie. Man, okay. I don't think, like, so there's Grandpa Joe and there's Grandma Josephine and then there's the other two grandparents. Mm -hmm. I don't think the other two grandparents say anything. No. uh, George and Georgina. Yeah, I don't think they say anything. Because it's great. It's George and Georgina and Josephine and Joe. Right, because Josephine basically exists to be like, hurry up, Joe, read it. (laughs) Joe, shut up, Joe. Like, that's all she does. The other two just kind of sit there in silence. So he's talking to Grandpa Joe, the only one of these fucking old fucks that ever does anything. And he's like, oh, I walked past the chocolate factory, and why was it closed? And Joe's like, oh, his greatest nemesis, Slugworth, was trying to steal all of his secrets. Yeah, Joe, but Grandma Joe basically tucks into this, like, YouTube conspiracy theory about the great chocolate war of like five years ago yeah and he's like sort of talking about how like Wonka was like oh fuck this Slugworth guy I'm gonna close my factory yeah and then like three years later the factory started again but no one came out no one's seen inside the factory they don't know who the workers are it's the greatest mystery of all yeah so now Charlie's at school and he's learning about chemistry and honestly this scene what the fuck's the point in the first of a number of I'm gonna say Monty Python-esque scenes Yes. Like, this, this scene basically, it's this really big pointless scene where, like, Charlie's in class and the teacher's being like, I know all about chemistry. None of you know about chemistry. Watch me wick, mix these wacky chemicals together. And then there's a big explosion. Ultimately, what's the point of the scene? I don't really get well, it. Well, it's, it's the world's best exposition, dude, is what it is. I mean, is it? It's like a waste of, like, a minute of screen time <laughs> in a very short movie. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, this it, movie fucking flies along. It really gets going. And, like, but it manages to still have time for random shit like this because some little kid pokes his head into class and is like oi wonka's opening the factory and the teacher's like class, class is missed and yeah. <laughs> he's just like he's like what the chocolate factory class dismissed yeah and then this kid's like no you, you silly duffer it's like you gotta get one of like five golden tickets to get in and he's like oh well no class undismissed and he's like well how do you get these tickets and they're like they're in chocolate bars anyone can buy them and he's like class dismissed again and yeah, everyone's like dismissed Everyone other than Charlie, like, rushes out of the store because everyone's rich and is going to buy hundreds of chocolate bars. I guess this teacher, yeah, values chocolate over education. Okay, so now, like, the movie starts moving. Like, again, this movie's not fucking around. It's moving really quickly. We hear about the golden tickets. There's a news story. Hello, this just in. There are five golden tickets, and children all over the world are going absolutely bananas. And we get all these little shots. Like, we get probably, like, the next of these little Monty Python-esque scenes where, like, some guy's talking to his therapist, and he's like, I had a dream that a ghost was going to tell me where the chocolate was and the therapist is like where is it tell me where the golden ticket is you little fuck everyone's like losing their minds over this chocolate yeah and I gotta say people going absolutely fucking ape shit for chocolate highly remakeable dude I assume it'll be in the subsequent movie it has to be it has to be in there as the media is covering this uh 
chocolate hullabaloo, if you will, mm-hmm. um, we get uh, one quote which I particularly love. The chocolate hullabaloo is my favourite Wonka candy. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> it's very tasty. Um, we have a, uh, a news reader wondering how long the spirit of man will hold up. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really bleak shit like that. Yeah. Which, to be fair, is very Roald Dahl. Yeah. It's kind of his whole brand. I don't know if you've ever read any of his books. As I have, kid, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the first person to find a golden ticket is, of course, Augustus Gloop. Ah, uh, the sweet Augustus. He's my from... emperor. Yeah, he's... <laughs> people's ever. <laughs> oh, dear. So yeah, Augustus Gloop, he's a German kid. The media's there. There's a big media circus. They're like, Augustus Gloop has found a ticket. And like, someone puts a microphone in front of his dad. His the dad, dad just eats the microphone. Because they're like... big gluttons, I guess. And his mom's like, I knew Augustus would find the ticket. Eating is his hobby. And uh, that's basically all that we get out of that scene. Except, except for this spooky man who appears out of nowhere. Literally out of nowhere. And just kind of like whispers in Augustus's ear. We don't hear what they say. And then we're moving on. We just yeah. see the spooky man for a second, and then we've well, moved on. to be fair, the other thing he's doing, in addition to, in addition to whispering in Augustus' ear, is just shoveling potatoes onto his plate. He's there just like... Chunk, chunk, chunk. I mean, it's a hell of a cover, dude. That's, yeah. what, that's what anyone serving Augustus I mean, would do. It's certainly the best cover of the five covers he uses to talk this. They just get worse. Like, I think mean, he uses four covers, and then, yeah. Dude. He's just one cover. The remaining four are just like different amounts of him just appearing and grabbing a child. So Look, it was the seventies, dude. It was a different time, a yeah. safer time. Well, so now it's Charlie's birthday. His uh, two grandmothers and his mother give him a big red scarf that they all needed. His, <laughs> his, his grandfather's give him a fucking Wonka bar. He opens it and he's like, "Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Real quick." The Wonka bar they give him is kind of like it's like a big old like wagon wheel or something, like a big old biscuit essentially. Yeah. yeah. Everyone else is buying the Wonka bars. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it is. it seems like for the rest of the film that these golden tickets are especially in these like rectangular yeah, Wonka bars. Yeah, exactly. And yet in this circumstance, it's kind of like, oh, there might be a golden ticket in there. I think the grandparents just fucked up. I only just straight up fucked up and I'm like, well, maybe... It'll be in the wagon yeah. wheel. That's right. Maybe fucking Charlie could have got a golden ticket 20 minutes earlier yeah. in this goddamn movie instead of going through all the rigmarole <laughs> you have to to get to the fucking ticket. Either way, the important thing is that Charlie pulls a very sad prank on his grandparents. <laughs> what is he doing? He opens, his, he opens his wagon wheel and is like, I've won, I've won! And they're like, what? And he's like, huh, bet you... Th- Bet you thought I won. Dude, why did he do that? It doesn't Who make any was it sense. for? It just made know. everyone sad. But we're moving very quickly on to the next golden ticket discovery scene. We meet Veruca Salt. Veruca Salt is this uh, little spoiled rich kid archetype. Her dad runs like I guess like a peanut factory. Yeah, nuts. That's yeah, what he's doing. He's yeah. in the business of nuts, and he's got all of his workers shucking seven hundred and sixty thousand Wonka bars in pursuit of a fucking golden ticket. I'm glad you Veruca. threw out that number. And the important thing is knowing that. So basically, like the end of this scene is that one of these ladies finds this golden ticket, and it's all like hot and dandy, and everyone's happy. Now, so far, they have shelled. 760,000 Wonka bars. That's a lot, man. Now, how much do you think a Wonka bar goes for? I mean, like... Like, 10 pence, let's call it. You're gonna 10 pence? Mm. I think so, because Charlie's buying, like... He picks up, like, a single coin, and with that coin, he buys, like, a scrum diddlyumptious, and then a Wonka bar with the change. So I think they've got to be pretty it cheap. It looks like that coin looks like 50p or something like that. You know, yeah. like 50 pence? I mean, like shillings... I mean, listen, hey. (laughs) 
not about death yet. Not my department, but, yes. all right. At any rate, a lot of money yeah. was spent. And this Listen, is 1971 if, if money. Yeah, exactly. But if we're saying it's like, if it's 10 pence per Wonka bar, so what, 76,000 pounds? Yep. That's 150,000 Australian dollars. In 1971. In 1971, yeah. So this man has spent, like, a prince's ransom on chocolate bars. How rich is this factory owner that he can spend it? Because, like, he's on air. (laughs) Like, he's just kind of like a nut nut factory man. You've got on this early. I got onto this later where it's literally just like, he must be one of the richest men in the world. He has to be. Because every time his fucking daughter is like, I want one of these. He's he's like, like, all right, uh, name your price, Wonka. Like, (laughs) how? How can he do that? No price is too high for me, Henry Salt, not factory owner. <laughs> the mother, Henrietta, is now like, you won't be very popular around here, Henry, mm. if you don't get one of those tickets. But then, of course, they get the ticket and we move right along. Well, not before that spooky boy appears. Oh, yeah. And then just kind of like starts yelling at The guy uh, who we later learn is Slugworth. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just appears out of nowhere. No, sorry. He's in the factory. Yeah. And then he's the one that drags the lady that pulls out the golden ticket up to Veruca Salt. Uh-huh. So for some reason, he's allowed to be in this factory. Yeah. And then as, like, Veruca's celebrating, he just, like, leans down and whispers in her ear, and she's kind of like, huh? Yeah, what? Man. Huh? So, and then we move on. So, so far, like, we, we've seen this guy appear. Like, I want to get onto this early. So this guy showed up. He showed up at Augustus Gloop at the time the media circus got there. So it was already publicized, right? Mm. Like, so he would have had time to hear, like, oh, there's this boy in Germany who's got the ticket. I'll get over there and I'll go talk to him. He's thinking, like, okay... Henry Salt's got 760,000 bars that he's shucking away at. He's probably going to get the next ticket. So I'll get over there so I'm there in time. The next couple, he just kind of like... like the, the conceit for how he knows that the child yeah. has got the ticket gets thinner and thinner every time until it reaches a crescendo. But I'm getting ahead it of myself. It has to be magical, dude. Like, yeah, it, it simply the only way. So the world is selling out of Wonka bars... Uh, on the news, and there's not many left. Some yeah. scientist has a computer. Oh, God. This is this a great guy. scene. This is, yeah, the next of these little, like, random side Monty Python-esque yeah. scenes. This random scientist has this computer, and he's like, this computer will tell us exactly where the remaining tickets are based on the laws of probability. And the computer spits out a ticket that's like, I won't tell you that would be cheating. Yeah, but- <laughs> exactly. And the guy's like, well, let me tell you, like, if you, uh, if you tell me where the chocolate is, I will give you half of my lifetime supply. And the computer's like, like, what would a computer do with chocolate? And he's like, oh, I'll tell you exactly what you'll do with my lifetime supply of chocolate. Furiously punching (laughs) shit into this computer. I'm like, man, the computer gets an MVP on Oh, dude, I I agree, yeah. For playing by the rules, like you're supposed to. So now we move on. Uh, the next ticket has been found by Violet Beauregard. Yeah, we meet her- Violet Beauregard. Yeah. Jesus. Her parents sell used cars and are also local politicians. At this point, I'm like, wow, Violet Beauregard is probably the most normal person we've met in this At movie. At this point, yeah. Until she starts talking about gum. <laughs> because we're like, okay, normal little girl. Parents used car salesman. She got lucky and found a ticket. That's interesting. Then she's like, I'm an Olympic gum chewing champion. I've got the world record for chewing gum. I've been chewing this piece of gum for three months. Can you believe it? I started chewing, stopped chewing gum and started eating chocolate when I heard about the tickets. And now I'm right back to gum. It's just like this little girl. She just loves gum. But we can't dwell on that too long because Slugworth is there. Again. Well, also, grabbing this little girl on camera. There's so much footage <laughs> yeah. of this man grabbing these chewing. It's the 70s. No one gives a shit. Yeah. But like, it's you, okay. you couldn't make this film today, dude. You can grab like, girls yeah. in the 70s. I mean, at this point, dude. I'm giving Slugworth an MVP yeah. because this dude's ability to track down where these golden to tickets predict. are, Do not track and then down. predict, yeah, predict. He gets there early, and then 
like like sneak his way through a crowd and then whisper sweet nothings to children yeah. without anyone batting an eye. Yeah, dude, on camera, literally like the camera like is panning in on like Beauregard. It zooms dad. in. Yeah, it zooms yeah. in on him. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. Like if we're to believe that is part of a news broadcast, <laughs> the last part of the broadcast is just. This strange man whispering with his child, and no one gives a shit. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's his friend. He's probably got important things to say." <laughs> Charlie's talking. I think to it's. His mom. I think it's where his mum works. Yeah, so, well, so we're at his mum's work. I guess she works in like a laundry she's or something. She's washing clothes. Yeah. He's complaining that he can't find a ticket. She tells him there's a hundred billion people on the planet. Not true. Not true. Charlie is like, but I want it more than any of them. I just, I just refuse to believe. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. I mean, like, you really think Charlie wants it more than? Anyone else on the planet? Now, real quick, though. Like, just talking back for a second. Her saying there's 100 billion people in the world. Do you think that's an exaggeration? Or do you think... In the world that is, this movie? Yeah. That is a clue from the filmmakers. This isn't our world. This is a different world. Or this is a dystopian future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where, where people are breeding out of the Exactly. That's why there's four grandparents living in one bed, because there's no room. Eating cabbage water, dude. Yes, because we have synthesized proteins and nothing but vegetables. Exactly. My God, we've blown this thing dude, wide open, wait, Jackson. Okay, have you, did you see any meat? Did you see any animals that create meat the entire film? Yes, actually, and we'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> There is one very specific and memorable moment of a meat-creating animal. But in the reality, pre-factory... Yeah. No meat. No meat. meat And no animals that create meat either. Yeah, I guess there's probably not often animals just rolling around on film lots. But anyway, Charlie's mum starts singing a song. And this song is... That good, dude. Uh, like, did you like this? Song? I liked it, dude. Uh, I, I think it it's shit, dude. I think it's so catchy. It's so long, man. It is long, but like she sings him home, dude. It's so she, long. No, it dude. Does nothing. She's a caring mother. She knows exactly how long it takes for him to get home, and so she yells into the wind for like four minutes, which is the difference, did the distance from like her work to her home. As Charlie's running yeah, it's on, nice home. to have that short commute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, it's good. Hey, for her. you know. I, listen, I like the song. I also like the character. She's going to get okay. an MVP the from me. The character's great. Yeah. We'll come back to that. I just thought this song was a whole lot of nothing. Listen, I love the song, number one. Number two, this character's going to get an MVP from me because of how shitty her life is. Yeah, dude. And how little she gets out I of it. I think you're jumping ahead. Even at the end. Because this but, is... <laughs> but, but, like, I'm, I'm sure we'll cycle back around to this, but this lady is just suffering embodied. She's the linchpin of this family. I know. And... <laughs> And listen, like, we just move on. That's it. The film was like, ah, uh, who cares? And yeah. th- that's it. Like, yeah. she, she definitely deserves that MVP nomination. But anyway, right so, now. Yeah, we move on and we get to meet Mike TV. Mike TV. All the way in Arizona. Fucked up thing about Mike TV. He loves TV. <laughs> and his actual human name is Mike TV. It's T-E-E-V-E-E. That's TV not a snacks, nickname. Yeah. That's not a nickname. That's his actual human name. It's insanity, dude. It's a pretty ridiculous thing for a person to be called. And then Slugworth's just in his house. So the media's there being like, hey, Mike, do you like TV? And he's like, fuck off. I'm watching the TV. <laughs> and then Slugworth just comes in. Like, again, on camera. He can't be in stopped. Front of There's the world. so much footage of him. The TV coverage of this event. Like, this chocolate-based event is mm. so fucking funny. It's the biggest thing like, that's ever happened in the world. Yeah. Like, there's this one news anchor who's, like, cautioning people and being like, come on, like, eventually one day we're all going to move on from this and remember the important things in life. Like, well, 
Nothing comes to mind at the moment, but I'm sure there is something more important than this chocolate. Like, yeah, it's, like it's just like it's pretty good. And for me, dude, like the catastrophe around, like, like the media circus around this event. Yep, I think it's highly remakeable, dude. Man, like, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I kind of like almost expect it to not be in the remake movie. Like, I think they're gonna try. I mean, it's Tim Burton, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Like, they're gonna try and go all weird with it, you know. I, I like, never watched the remake. I, I saw it in cinemas. Oh wow! But I haven't seen it. Since. I have low expectations. Uh, Uncle Joe's woken Charlie up, and Charlie's like, "What did you wake me up for, Joe?" And Joe's like, "I bought you this chocolate bar with my tobacco money." And then Charlie's like, "Grandpa, that money was for tobacco." <laughs> yeah, dude. Do you think the tobacco lobby had a fucking hand in this movie? Surely, like dude. they must have been. Like, Grandpa, you should have spent that money on cool camel crisp tobacco. Yeah, <laughs> and something. like, cause l- like, spoiler alert. There's no golden ticket in this chocolate, so maybe the message is like you should have spent that money on you tobacco. You shouldn't have wasted money yeah, on chocolate. You idiot. You should have bought tobacco. So now we get another one of our little random throwaway scenes. Uh, this one goes on for quite a while, actually. Also, just real quick, how did he get the chocolate? Okay, because the man is bedridden. Yes, which comes back to the point I made earlier about how when Charlie picks up his papers and the guy's like, "Say hi to your grandpa Joe for me." How does he know Joe? How? Joe hasn't been out of bed in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, Somehow he's maybe he knew him before. I mean, <laughs> that's so bleak. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when your grandpa, well, any of your grandparents used to move around. That was uh, two decades ago now. Jesus. Joe has ways and means. Maybe it's set in kind of like the mid-60s. And maybe like World War II happened. <laughs> and Joe was just like, well, that's it for me. And just, like, got in bed and never got up again. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, right? Yeah, it could have happened to you can't, us. You, you can't get uh, conscripted that way, I guess. That's, if you can't get out of bed. That'll be in the remake. Dude, it, ex- yeah, dude, it explains Grandpa Joe's, like, it redeems, combat readiness. It redeems Grandpa Joe, I yeah. would say. He's like he's a sleeper a agent, dude. He's literally a sleeper agent. Oh. He can't get out of bed until you activate him. And the activation is chocolate. Dude, he's a sleeper agent. <laughs> His tobacco won't do it. He's just been pounding darts for 20 years, and that's not enough. So, now we catch to another one of these little random nonsense scenes. There's an auction for the last case of Wonka bars in the UK. It goes to £5,000, and then somebody the, buys yeah, the, them. The, 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 the auctioneer looks up and is like, Your Majesty, yeah. implying the Queen's rolled down personally, because the Queen doesn't have people to handle this, and is like... I personally will buy this last crate for 5,000 English pounds. Like, yeah. All right. Okay, rolled. Whereas, like, the funny thing is, we later find out the Queen didn't buy them. Instead, it was this lady called Mrs. Curtis yeah. that we meet in the continuation of this same scene. <laughs> so there's some lady in her house. The police are there. She's like, I just want my husband back. I'll give them anything. And they're like, uh, they're just talking for ransom. We just have to wait for the demands. They call and they're like, we want your crate of Wonka bars. And Mrs. Curtis is just like, Oh, fuck. Yeah. Because she spent, like, the rest of the scene being like, I'll give them anything for my husband, anything at all. And then, like, they want your crate of Wonka bars. And she's like, how long do I have to decide? Yeah. Like, so for me, for, for valuing chocolate over human life, Mrs. Curtis gets an MVP now. She deserves it. She's she, she's carrying the... The, the, the message of the film, I Exactly. Think. Yeah. Exactly. And the, the kind of background world information. Mm. Some Paraguayan millionaire claims to have found the last ticket on the news. And everyone's all dejected. They're like, ah, oh, fuck. Can you believe it? Those tickets are just gone. And then, like, Charlie's in bed and he's crying. And while this is all happening, fucking Grandpa Joe's getting on his high horse. He's like, I can't believe it. Charlie deserves to have nice things. Why can't Charlie get these tickets? And I want to fucking say something here. I fucking hate Grandpa Joe. He's a fucking dirty piece of shit. He's a fucking liar. 
How does he get to get on his high horse here about Charlie deserving nice things and deserving to be a child who gets to play when he's been fucking lying about the fact that he can't walk for 20 years so that he can be waited on hand and foot? This old man is a fucking dodgy, lazy piece of shit. (laughs) I think that's fair until you remember that he's actually a sleeper agent. Yeah. And he needs chocolate to activate his food. That would redeem (laughs) Joe. If there's some fucking World War II shit going on. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. Man. They sort of talk about like Charlie and his prospects now, and they literally <laughs> say like, "What's he got to hope for now?" Because I mean, like, fuck this like six year old kid. I guess like they're like, like, don't wake him up and tell him, let him have one last dream, dude. <laughs> what a fucked up thing. That to is say. horrifying. Being like, well, I guess uh, that's it for him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this was his one. He's chance. he's going to the cabbage water factory for like now, and that's it. His one. He'll make cabbage water until he dies. The one thing he had that could have maybe saved him from this life of abject poverty was if he got this golden ticket. Oh well, he's asleep while this news broadcast is on. Let him have one more dream. And we just cut to Ch- uh, Charlie just, just like weeping, weeping, weeping in his bed. But not for long, because now we're back at school with this Monty Python R school teacher. And at yeah, this, this point, Steve Coogan time. I'm done with this guy. Like, he can fuck off. This isn't that interesting. He's talking about fractions. He's doing some really moldy old comedy. Well, but also, like, it doesn't seem like Charlie's at a particularly... I mean, Charlie cannot be at a particularly, like, prestigious school, right? No. There's no way. And yet there are kids there that have, like, bought hundreds of chocolate bars to check out. Like, how does... The rationale for this film, and I get that it's all spooky and fascinating, but, like, I don't know any child that would be able to buy, like, 150 chocolate bars. That's a good point. That's a good point. These children are buying lots of chocolate, and you know what? I think that's a, a sad condemnation of the capitalist system. Yeah, I think it's, again, it's this class of manifesto, and that's he right. is savage. So we, we move to Charlie, he's, like, strolling along, and uh, he looks down to a gutter, spies a little bit of money, now Ooh. doesn't he? He uh, reaches oh, down... Grabs, uh, I, I, what I assume was like a 50 pence, uh, what was 50 pence, but I could be wrong. It's I don't, some kind of coin, it yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, and he's like, you know what, fuck this, I've got bills, I'm gonna get some candy. Yeah, he's like, fuck my family, yeah. fuck buying dinner for my parents. Because, yeah, exactly, like, fucking 20 minutes ago, he was like, here, mum, here's my money that I've earned by yeah. working hard as a paper boy. And then he finds some money, and he's like... No, fuck them. And I've got no more dreams. Now that there's no point to buy the chocolate, because there's no hope of getting the tickets, he decides to buy some fucking chocolate. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. Anyway, uh, Charlie rolls in the bills and is like, yo, give me some chocolate. Give me the biggest you got. And he's like, well, that'll be our Wonka's scrum diddly umptious. And then uh, he's like, thanks, Bill. And then he's like, actually, one more chocolate, Dude, please. before that, he he gets the scrum diddly umptious part, and he just Wolfs it down. He's yeah. just like, yeah. and Ben's and like, like, whoa, dude, yeah, chill out. Slow down, you're a stomach ache. Like, and then I guess, like, now that he's, like, finally had the satisfaction... He's sated himself. Yeah, he, he's able to, like, come to his senses and realise that he's just wasted, like, a family dinner on a scrum yeah, diddly he's wasted, bar. like, three loaves of bread. Yeah, and he's like, uh, I guess I'll buy a regular Wonka bar for my Grandpa Joe. And so, like, Bill the Candyman hands him his chocolate bar, and Charlie strolls out. But wait, right with the newsstand where he works, everyone's, like, hollering and clamoring around, because it seems that this uh, Paraguayan dude, this gambler, made the whole thing up. Um, Why, you might ask? 
It's never discussed again. Yeah. Uh, Charlie realizes that maybe, just maybe, he just has a golden ticket. Maybe. He tears into this chocolate bar, throwing the chocolate everywhere and not, not getting a bite of it. bothering to eat Because it. he doesn't need to. He's got a golden ticket and maybe a lifetime supply of chocolate. He's got a golden ticket. He sure <laughs> does. And then, but before he has any chance to really reconcile this, this strange lady grabs him and is like, this boy's got the golden ticket, everyone. Yeah. Throws him into this mosh pit of Everyone's angry like, people. Yeah! yeah. And then they're like hollering and screaming at him. And this one fucking guy is like, don't you kill him. <laughs> don't you kill him. What a fucked up thing to say. Like, he's being thrust around in this crowd. Goes, don't you kill him. And then somebody's like, run, Charlie. Run as fast as you can. Yeah, get to your grandpa Joe, my old friend from Judah. <laughs> we serve together. We are in the 5th Regiment. We killed so many Nazis. Don't you kill him comes to be an accurate title pitch for this movie as it goes on. That is doesn't make very, any sense right true. now, but it's going to make sense once we get into Murder Factory. Anyway, so Charlie is rushing uh, down these... Uh, now, I guess English streets? Cobblestone streets. Cobblestone streets. I guess it's, it's meant to be England. Yeah, who, who can say? Anyway, he's rushing home, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, teleporting in, is Slugworth. And this is the ultimate moment of just it being fucked up. Because the other ones, like, you can make an argument for all of them, right? So, like, the other ones were, like, it was either the salt factory where, like, you know, you could know that they were shucking these candy bars or they were all, like, media circuses where the media was all there. This is literally a boy finds a ticket as he's running through the streets. He's on his way home and Slugworth's just fucking there! Is he a green seer? Does he have divination <laughs> powers? How's he able to figure this shit it's out? horrifying. And just teleport around the world. What I want to know, if he can see the future and fucking teleport, why can't he figure out the everlasting gobstoppers by himself? Yeah, that's true. So he offers Charlie a shitload of money in exchange for stealing an everlasting well, gobstopper. you say a shitload of money. 10,000 of these, he says. Yeah, which are notes. Banknotes. Yes. We don't know what banknotes. They could be 100 pounds. Remember the 1971 dollars. Yeah. You can't forget about that. <laughs> Charlie runs into his house. He's like, hey, everybody, I've got the ticket. And they're all like, oi, fuck off, yeah. Charlie. And he's like, no, it's real. It's true. And he hands it to Joe. And Joe's like, holy shit, this is a ticket. Incredible. And then Charlie's like, oh, boy, I know my mom's struggling and like does everything for this family, but fuck her. Joe, if I could take anyone, it'd be you, you piece of shit. He's, and then this piece of shit lives up to his name yeah. and is like, well, what do you know? Turns out I could stand all along. This fucking got my blood burning. <laughs> like, he literally reads the ticket and is like, you can bring one family member. And he's like, hmm, well, you know my mom who works her ass off and suffers nonstop to keep us all alive? No, Joe, it's you, you old bedridden piece of shit who's and been lying Joe about being bedridden. Just, like, wakes up and is like, here we go. He does a, literally does a song oh. and dance. He literally dances around the living room as if to taunt the rest to of the To gloat. To gloat I hear that written down, dude. He's <laughs> gloating the rest of the grandparents who are like stuck there being like, oh, please tell us we're going and we'll get the ability to walk again. Yeah. Instead, no, Charlie Joe. leaves the rest of his grandparents unable to walk and him and Joe get ready for their uh, adventure the next day and on the 1st of October. Fucking Joe puts on a coat over his filthy fucking bedrobe that he's been wearing for 20 goddamn years. The dance is so awkward. Like, the other grandparents are just sitting there like... Yeah, fucking Joe's running around the bed like, watch my speed! Yeah. And it's like, alright, you're really gloating now. As if to put a fucking fine point on it, they're getting ready to leave, they find out that the factory opening is tomorrow, and there's so much to do! And his mum's like, I'll take care of everything, Dad. You just, you just go back to bed. 
Like, she's like, oh, you're, you're, you're just leaving this me here? poor lady. I feel for her so much. I wish we saw her ever again. Now we're at the factory. The kids are all lining up to get in. We see lots of all the different kids. Blah, blah, blah. Not that interesting. And now, it's Gene Wilder. We meet Willy Wonka, as played by Gene Wilder. Oh, uh, boy. He's a little bit worse for wear, though. The late, great Gene Wilder. Yeah, oh, truly. <laughs> He's um he's walking out of the factory. He's got, got a, a cane. On his cane. He does this like absolutely iconic by now. I would say yeah. scene where he like it's like a fucking two minute walk up where he's just like limp, limp, and all the kids are looking at him like, oh no. Yeah, everyone's oh, like, dear. oh Wonka, what's this wrong? Is awkward. Which is weird to be like. I, I know it's the, really the, fucked the, up. The way the the crowd silences itself because this guy has a limp is yeah, weird. It's fucked like up, everyone's like, like oh Wonka's able bodied. No, he's not. And everyone just gets silent. But he proves them wrong. Turns out it's a prank. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He stumbles, drops into this awesome somersault, gets up, and everyone goes fucking nuts. They're like, yeah, he's able-bodied. Dude, listen, I feel like at this point I'm just repeating myself, but pranks, you know that they are highly remakeable. I I had down... Jackson is going to love this, because <laughs> the one thing he hits every time is how remakeable pranks are. Yeah. So the kids go into the factory, and, man, we're literally halfway into the movie. We are halfway, and you know what that means? It's time for a tagline game. <gasps> oh, oh, shit! Also, because, like, now is the point to take a break, because we can't stop. Once we... Hit, listen, listening yeah. audience, if you've never seen this film... Once we're heading into this factory, yep. we can't go back. Legally. You can lock the doors behind you, <laughs> but you have to keep going yeah, forward. Yeah, I mean, exactly. As Willy Wonka says, you can't get out going back. you got to go forward to go back. All right, dude. Once the factory starts, it's a wild ride. I, I have three taglines for please, you. Please, please, please. One from uh, this film. Mm-hmm. One from a different film. Okay. And one that is completely made up. Okay, fantastic. Bring them, bring them to me. I'm going to read them out. I'm two for two so far on this game. A world of wonders in one great picture. Okay. Number two. Taste a world beyond your imagination. Okay. Number three. It's scrumdiddlyumptious. Interesting. I think the first one is a little too broad. I think it's got to be taste a world beyond your imagination. That was a Jackson you should have read. Oh, shit! Was it scrumdiddlyumptious? Yeah. That was my next pick. What's the first one for? Uh, Alice in Wonderland, the 1951 yeah, animated okay, version. That makes sense. Which I realized Alice in Wonderland has been is a remake. Yeah, it's been remade. So yeah. like, so that's yeah. definitely something for a spoilers future episode. Yeah. You know, come to think of it, like as I was saying the uh, taste of your imagination, I realized that that actually wouldn't really fit as a tagline. Yeah, because the whole thing is about how it is a world of pure imagination. Yes, exactly. Not beyond imagination. Exactly. So that was very foolish on my yeah, behalf. I know. But well you done, fell into my trap. I found your web once my more. My linguistic web. You've done it. But um, do you want to hear the rest of these taglines? Please. You okay. know I do. So. Most of these are pretty straightforward. In fact, I would say almost all of them are. Um, so you have, like, Scrumdiddlyumptious. Uh, another one. Your golden ticket to imagination and adventure. <laughs> sure. Okay, fair okay. enough. Another one. That's pretty lazy. Enter a world of pure imagination. Well, that's right there. That's, <laughs> that's on right the nose. There. That's gotta be. That's right there. Here's one. It's everybody's non-pollutionary, anti-institutionary, pro-confectionary factory of fun. What the fuck? That no. can't be a real tagline. That's <laughs> where does that? Be- <laughs> that's, that's just not like I know connected it. to the movie. But like, also, what is a tagline meant to do? It's meant Jesus. to be like a couple of words, which like tell you like a, like a to- like give you a sense of the tone of the film. The classic example for me of like a modern Hollywood tagline is the Michael Bay original Transformers. 
your world will be transformed. That like exactly. that. I, I still remember that years later. I'm right there on that. That is not a tagline. That is a fucking short poem about this movie. Well, I'm glad because you'll love this next one. <laughs> My final tagline. Charlie is let loose in the chocolate factory and every kid's dream comes true. <laughs> That's like a short one. It's a synopsis! <laughs> it's a synopsis of the film! <laughs> Although, actually, to be fair, I don't know if you could really describe most of what happens in the factory as dreams coming true. Did you never dream of killing children? It's when you probably were mostly <laughs> nightmares, right? That's pretty fun. Uh, it's lots of murder. One sec. Wonka's so fucking wacky. We're in the factory now. Wonka's all like, so much time and so little to see. Which is a title pitch for me. Not because I think that accurately describes a lot of this movie, but it definitely describes the first half of this movie. <laughs> like, it's literally like 50 minutes into an hour and 40 minute movie and like, we're just in the factory. Yeah. We've, we've just met the title character and the title factory. Yeah, it would have made a lot of more sense if it was called Charlie in the title yeah, factory. You could but anyway, say that. anyway. Yeah, here we are. So they all have to sign this contract that says if they die, he's not liable for them. Like, all the parents are like, oh, gee, I don't know about that. That seems a little uh, risque. And then Joe's like, sign Charlie. Yeah. We've got nothing to lose. I mean, <laughs> I have, I, which is like, a, a fair point from Joe, but B, <laughs> this has to be highly illegal, right? It's so bleak! So, again, Wonka pranks everybody, like he did with the cane, and he's like, everybody, come into my wacky closet! And he pushes them all into this little room with all these zebra stripes on the wall and, like, reflective surfaces, and it's a really tiny, pokey closet, and everyone's freaking out. They're like, oh, I'm getting squished! Help me, Mr. Wonka, help me! And he's like, oh, here's the door. And they're like, that's the door we came in through, you fucking idiot! And he's like... Is, is it? it? And he opens the door, and it's another corridor. And everyone's like, whoa, that was pretty weird. And he's yeah. like, follow me down the corridor. And then he walks down the corridor. And as he does, he grows larger, and the door grows smaller. Yep. And fucking Henry Salt is like, what is this, Wonka? Some kind of fun house. <laughs> like, and then I believe someone else says, he's at it again. <laughs> From the back of the crowd. Like, fucking Wonka, tricking us all over the place. And he tells them that this next room is hot shit. And it fucking is, dude. He plays some music on a magic keyboard to unlock the music lock on yeah, the door. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's, what, Rachmaninoff, does that one lady yeah, say, or something? Yeah, Miss, Mrs. TV. You're the classical music boy, you tell me. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, um, it was Rachmaninoff, yeah. There you go. So then the big door opens, and holy shit, this whole set actually looks awesome. It's like, incredible, dude. If you've not seen this movie... Go watch it purely for this scene where they enter the room with like the river of chocolate. Like, it, you gotta remember, it's fucking 1971. That's what I mean. This film, okay, like, there are a few moments, but other than that, this film has aged remarkably yeah, well yeah. for a film that is like, what, 46 years old? Yeah, dude, it looks extremely It's good. crazy. The degree to which, like, all this shit looks edible and delicious. Yeah. And, like, like, I mean, I, I had here, like, hours of footage of Delicious Treats, highly remakeable. You yeah. had it earlier, but, yeah. like, it is true. This is, I don't know if there is a scene, and I, I remember watching this as, like, a child with my grandparents, but this scene in particular has <clears throat> stuck out to me, and I, I'm not sure if anything will ever come close. It's because iconic. Because it is just, you. it's so visceral, and, like, the delight everyone has as they're, like, eating trees and shit, and, yeah, like, dude. fucking, like, 
breaking apart like melons and like this chocolate inside and like it's nuts and it's all like fucking happening during probably the most iconic song in the film mm. like come with me and you'll be in a world of your imagination yeah it's fucking uh, great ever since we said that we're going to do this film dude i've had that in my head, day yeah. in, day out. Yeah, I know, me too. Like, when you, you came into my house to start recording this, and I was singing, Come with me, yeah. <laughs> like, as you came inside. It's fucking, it's an iconic scene. It, it's amazing. I can't talk shit about this scene. It's awesome. Except yeah. for the fact that Veruca cracks into a little melon, and she reaches inside, and it looks like she's eating blood. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, scooping handfuls of and blood. And I mean, like, the, the film contextually yeah. implies that it probably is blood. Yeah. This is my next thing for this scene. Willy Wonka. The original cake boss. He's <laughs> 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 made a whole room Man. full of shit now, that's edible. <laughs> I have I have not seen the, the the remake, but if he doesn't have like a Jersey accent, then fuck this film. If like, Buddy Ballister yeah. doesn't make yeah. a cameo <laughs> yeah. in the remake of this movie, hey. like, I'm a cake boss. Yeah. I made you. My a name's cake. a Willy Wonka. It's a world of pure <laughs> imagination. Come on and have a taste. I'm the boss of this world of. Pure delight. I'm the chocolate boss. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I, I mean, <laughs> Buddy Ballister could play the lead on Bullum. He's very small. So, uh, now, we get, yeah, some other wacky shit going on. People are eating M&M's. People are biting big lollipops. Mm. Willy Wonka sits down and, like, picks off, like, a little flower and, like, detaches the flower, like, petals from the little base of it and it's a teacup. He drinks some tea and then he eats the cup. It's really good. I just have here, dude, like, music theatre bangers? Like, highly remakeable, dude. We get all the parents looking at the Chocolate River being like, you've spoiled your water, Wonka. This water's fucking filthy. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's chocolate. And he explains he's got the world's only chocolate waterfall that churns his chocolate for him. And then all the little Oompa Loompas who we're meeting for the first yeah, time yeah, come out little go. doors in the walls. And all these tiny little orange men. And one of the kids is like, what are those? And Willy Wonka's like, they're my Oompa Loompas. And one of them's like, they can't be real people. <laughs> Which is... Horrifying. Just a horrible thing to say. Yeah. I'm not, like, I really don't even want to touch on, like, this is another one of those things, like, the grandparents being in bed. Like, this is another one of those things that, like, gets talked about a lot in pop culture in terms of how fucked up it is that, like, Willy Wonka has essentially enslaved, like, an entire race of little people yeah. to, like, make chocolate for him. I don't even want to touch any of that. The important thing here is that Augustus Gloop is tucking in both hands into the Chocolate River. Wonka's like, please, my chocolate has never been touched by human hands. And Augustus Gloop falls into the river. Before he does that, Charlie's like, he's drinking the river. And Joe says, he can't <laughs> drink it all. Almost as if it's a challenge. Yeah. And he's like, that fucking coward. Yeah. Wonka like semi-knocks Gloop into the river. And man. We get the first bit of this movie that really fucked me up as a kid watching this. And also, first instance of child murder. Wonka's there and like... like Does not seem concerned. Because Luke's mother's like, what are we going to do? And then like Wonka's just like, kind of like, help, police, yeah, murder. Just he calls seem... it murder. Yeah, dude. And that's his, <laughs> that's his response to a mother asking about her drowning child. It's going to be like... Hell, police, murder. He acknowledges that he it's acknowledges murder. It. It's real. Jesus, that's fucked up. Yeah, so then, like, he gets sucked under the water, and Willy Wonka's like, oh, the suction's got him. That's it. He gets sucked up this big chocolate pipe, and he gets stuck in there because he's too fat, and then they're like, 
the pressure will build up behind him and shoot him out. And Joe's like, yeah, remember, Charlie, when you used to ask me how guns work? This is just like that. But you know, chocolate pushes a child through a big tube. Yeah, that's, that's how the guns work. That's how a gun works. You're going to get tiny children and small bits of... That's why guns are so hard to make. Yeah, exactly, and that's why nobody has them. Yeah. The look of terror on this little boy's face. Well, it's terrifying. He's like... covered in goo. He's stuck in a tiny tube. He's being shot up into the fudge room by chocolate. Wonka's saying shit like, the suspense is horrible. I hope it will last. What a fucking yeah. fucked up guy that is. And so openly fucked yeah. up. You know? Acknowledging that it's murder. That's well, the I think at this point, part. he's like, there's not going to be any witnesses. He can say whatever he wants, right? Yeah, because like, he knows he's going to kill the yeah, rest of the children. exactly. Mrs. Gloop's like, what has happened to my son? And he's like, oh, he's off in the fudge room. You better go before he gets boiled alive. And some Oompa Loompas come and drag her off to the fudge room. And then they sing a song. Yeah. And we get the first of these four Oompa Loompa songs. Oh, God. Which go, I've got a perfect puzzle for you. We have to stop or it's not fair use. Uh, yeah, they sing a song about being fat and how it's bad to be fat because then that's being greedy and being... They, they say something like, if you're not greedy, you will go far. We haven't actually bothered to describe the Impalumpas. Mm. They're little people, the actors, like who are playing them. They're covered head to toe in orange grease, pa- grease paint and they're wearing green wigs. Yeah. Anyway, I thought this Oompa Loompa song fucking ruled. Yeah. Having the lyrics on screen was a weird choice. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. Like, so, yeah, like, that's what's fucking nuts about this film and how psychedelic it gets. Yeah. In that the film stops and becomes like a lyric video at certain points. This is one of those, like, iconic, like, drug take movies. And, like, yeah. I can fully see why. Yeah. We're moving on because there's a fucking boat journey to be had. Yeah. So Wonka just, like, summons his boat. Veruca, of course. The is Wonkatania. Like, yeah. Veruca is like. Oh, Daddy, I want a boat. And he's like, ah, oh, all right. All right, me old China. I'll get your boat just like this one, (laughs) Veruca. So the fucked up thing I've noted here, so a fucking boat can go in his river, but a child can't? Yeah. The chocolate can't be touched by a human hand, but it can be touched by boat (laughs) exhaust? (laughs) The boat's moving down the chocolate river. Beauregard turns to Salt, the parents, that is, not the children, and is like, what business are you in? And he's like, nuts. And then Beauregard just looks... Horrifying. What is what? What is he? Why does he just like nuts so much? What's his deal against he's knives? Like, he's like, oh god, nuts. he's a used car salesman. Yeah, I don't exactly. understand it. I cannot believe this scene is in. Dude, the I have here ten out of ten psychological spooks are highly remakeable. Yeah, and we're getting ahead of ourselves. So the boat goes into this tunnel, and. The next stop on the Wonka Child murder tour is this fucking horror tunnel of epileptic delights and nightmare imagery. The kids are going through the tunnel. There's flashing lights. Wonka's staring them dead in the face, singing this horrible song like... What, what is it? He's literally like, there's no earthly way of knowing which way the boat is going. Is it something? Is it something? It shows yeah. no signs of slowing! And he's just getting more intense as nightmare images are flashing up on the screen. Like, of, like a, of a chicken being like beheaded and literally shit. Literally a and chicken like having a, its head cut off. Like a centipede crawling over a dude's mouth. It's yeah. like fucked up. What was also fucked up here is that at this point, Mr. Soldier's like, huh, he's, uh, he's singing. Now... I'm I'm sure you're aware of the whole like the cave favorite musical <laughs> yeah, theater. Just done two musicals back to yeah, back. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Where like people start singing and people are kind of like and like in in fiction they're not really singing. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. kind of expressing their emotional shit or whatever. That's right. What does it mean for this film? No, I think Wonka is definitely singing. I think like because there's not music really behind him here, right? Yeah, of course. So I think there's a difference in this movie. I think there's songs, but there's music behind them, except for the Oompa Loompa songs. I think the Oompa Loompa songs are literal. 
I think see what I, what what this creates though. Like I can see the justification, but it creates this horrifying, messy world where yeah. like you is know. everyone singing or yeah. not? No, that's because you don't know. Existential horror, highly remarkable. Yeah. That scene was absolutely absurd. Dude, it, I mean. It, it defies explanation. Like, they literally go through a horror tunnel. Dude, I have an MVP here for Wonka because he has a fucking breakdown while ferrying four children on a boat of his uh. making. Like, he literally, like, is staring them dead in the eye, being like, and there's not showing any sign of slowing! It's- and, like, screaming at them, and they're screaming back. MVP, dude. Incredible. It's fucked up. So the boat stops, they're at the inventing room, and it's highly secret. He's like, we can only go in here if you promise not to say anything. And this room's just a bunch of random rigmarole, fucked up crazy bullshit, like exploding candy. Man, I've got a point here, and I think it's going to only become increasingly relevant as the film goes on. I think Wonka Research is funded by the military-industrial complex. Yeah, it has to be. Dude. I think he's on that military money, man. As a research ex- scientist myself, I can tell you, the best money comes from defense. Yeah. He's developing exploding chocolate. He's developing teleportation beams. He's developing shit that makes human beings fly. He's developing all kinds of shit that a defense contract would be highly lucrative for. It explains just how much resources he has. Yeah. Like, like, like this wonderful world... like. At no point is it explained where he got this money. Like no, that yeah, that's true. It's not. I mean, I guess from being a good chocolate yeah. boy. We also have very quickly in the scene, like they're walking through, and then there's uh, butterscotch and butter gin. Yep. And uh, Henry Salt turns to Wonka and is like, "Butterscotch, butter gin. What's uh, what's, what's all this then? Yeah, is there something fun going on in there? Well, and then good. Wonka turns to him and is like. Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker, and walks away. Man, that's amazing. I think two awesome things from that. Candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. Great title pitch. Gotta be, Two, Henry Salt gets an MVP nom for me here. For just the way he's just like, oh yeah, bit of booze on the side, is it? Oh, bit of moonshine. I love this fucking cockney motherfucker, dude. Oh, yeah. Just like constantly being like, I'm a bit of a, I'm a factory owner, but I'm, I'm a also, businessman myself. But I'm a common man as well. I and understand I like, the way things are. I enjoy the pleasures of the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> what a gross thing to say. Uh, it's it's uh, all character, dude. So now we're in the everlasting gobstopper machine. Wonk is telling them all, I'll only give you one if you promise to keep them. And they're all like, yes, yes. And we get a close-up close up on Veruca Salt, who has her fingers crossed behind her back. They all get the gobstoppers. And we're moving on. To a machine, which is uh, basically what it does is it converts... All kinds of shit. Yeah, a variety of different meals and that sort of thing into a gum. And of course, you know your girl Violet Beauregard oh, is so into that gum. Loves it. She nabs it and is like, well, here I go for me. And yeah, Wonka's so- kind of like... Oh no, I wouldn't do Again, that. Again, iconic being like, oh no, stop, don't. Just like really lackadaisically like Ash. not caring. So Ash. this gum, it's important to mention, the, the, the purpose of this gum is that it's a three-course meal yeah. in gum form. So Violet like tucks in and it's kind of like, mm, oh, it's tomato soup. It's like warm and creamy and I can taste it. Mm, delicious. And then she's like... Ooh, roast beef and a potato. Oh, mm. and then like her dad's like, is there sour cream on there, baby? Oh, yeah. Like just kind of like <laughs> yelling. And it's like, all right, Dad. All right, Mr. B. What's for dessert? Yeah. And then she's like, oh, it's blueberry pie. Here we go. And she starts turning blue. She starts turning blue and then purple and then, dare I say, violet. Yeah. And hey, she starts... You're turning violet, violet. She starts expanding. And at this point, I gotta say, man, there's a lot of shit in this movie that is like, we can't dance around it. 
It's fetish material. Oh, stuff. Like, like this magical enlargement, oh, followed by like being squeezed so the juice comes out. Like, it's all pretty gross. Like, there's, there's no way to avoid that, like, oh, this was probably... This would be... <laughs> this was the birth of some fetishes for some people, this I is, bet. This is going to be particularly exciting for any HW Late fans. Got I know, can... I know, it's so relevant to the conversation we... So, uh, we're all that time fooling again. Mm. Uh, recording this the day after the HW Late Halloween special. Yeah. Uh, where we talked about uh, enlargement fetishes, which uh, this movie is, is all up in. Yeah. So, uh, basically, Beauregard turns into a blueberry. Wonk is like, that's the bit I haven't figured out yet. They all turn into blueberries. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's just like, okay, that makes sense. He calls the Oompa Loompas. He's like, take her to the Juicitorium and squeeze the juice out of her. So, Beauregard's dad goes off with her. They, they roll. They literally roll. Yeah. She gets enormous. They roll her away while singing another Oompa Loompa Doompa Dee. Do song. Like, they literally just do another one of those. And we're moving on into this iconic scene with lickable wallpaper. Yes. So they're, they're moving through. There's three children left. And he's like, oh, we're going to keep going. Oh, have to show you this. Check out the lickable wallpaper. And there's just, like, wallpaper on the walls. He's like, lick a banana. Tastes like a banana. Lick a strawberry. They taste like strawberries. Try the snozberries. They taste like snozberries. And Veruca's like, snozberries aren't real. And then he, he says some sort of, like... He turns to her and just deadpan delivers... We are the music makers, and we yeah, are the dreamers of dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a crazy thing to say. It's like, it's fully a- another iconic line from this movie. Gonna say, Snozberries taste like Snozberries. That's a title pitch for yeah, me. Yeah, 100%. That, that fucking sums up this movie. Willy Wonka's showing off his magical contraption. Essentially, there's all these bubbles in the air and, like, these bottles of, like, um, liquid. And um, Willy Wonka's talking about this, like, fizzy lifting drink he's making. Um, but, alas, it's not quite ready yet, and so no one can try it. Everyone kind of, like, yells about it and is like, oh, please. And he's like, no, 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 we have to move on. It would be... Just completely, completely unsafe for me to sell yeah. it now. I just, I haven't read yeah. all the books. Which listen, is ridiculous. Yes, yeah, listen, Mike. I know you ate that exploding candy earlier, and I know I just pretty much killed Violet Beauregard. And also that other kid, yeah. Augustus Gloop. I but know I have. We can't try this fizzy lifting drink. Look, I know I made you all walk through an existential nightmare tunnel of horrifying dread, but we just couldn't possibly drink the fizzy lifting drink. Anyway, the point now, is, is that everyone moves on except for your boys. Charlie and Joe. Why is Joe so hung up on this? Of all the things they've seen so far, why is this the most exciting? Joe is like, Charlie, we have to drink some of this, man. And Charlie's so into it. Just one sip won't hurt. So they take a sip and they start floating. They're flying through the air. This scene's actually really cool. Yeah. Like, you can't really see the strings. Like, they're obviously on wires, but, like, you can't really see. It's not really obvious. Like, they they float around in this big bubble chamber. It still tracks it. It looks like they're flying. There's a huge uh, high ceiling. There's a fan at the top. They get too high. Joe turns to Charlie and he's like, Look down, Charlie. We're really high now. Which I think is evident at this point in the film. Yes, I think. Following the nightmare trip they went through earlier. Exactly. Um, It sounds like something that is appropriate at this point. Yeah. They're heading close to this fan where they're being chopped to pieces. Joe burps and then, like, heads down, like, like, drops a couple of feet and is like, Charlie, you got to burp. And then cue. This horrifying 30 seconds oh, it's so where bad, we watch man. these two main characters just burp as they slowly descend to the man, ground. I could, like, I was getting, like, sense memory. Like, I could smell it. Like, this was awful. There's literally, it's like, a, a two-minute scene where it's just burp, burp, yeah. burp. 
Joe is a fucking walking disaster. He has such poor coping mechanisms, dude. Like, they're literally floating up in the ceiling and he's just yelling. He's just like, ah, Charlie, the fan! Ah, Mr. Wonka, turn off the fan! Like, he's not, like, trying anything active. The only way they survive is because he accidentally burps. I mean, to be fair, the man was bedridden for 20 years. So. But he's also a veteran, as we've established. That's true, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that's true. He, he should have His combat skills. training should have, like, come into effect. He should know I that. guess he wasn't a paratrooper. Gotta say, a complete disregard for occupational health and safety? Pretty remakeable. <laughs> I assume it'll make the game. I mean, it has to be, right? We find out that Wonka has these geese that are laying these golden eggs, and he's tricking them into believing that it's Easter, so they're laying around the clock. And Charlie's like, it's not Easter. And he's like, shh. Don't tell them that. And I gotta say, this whole thing feels like a metaphor to me for factory farming, yeah. you know? Just Sorry. tricking the chickens into laying overtime. Sad, mm. to be honest. Yeah, There's a machine horrifying. that determines whether the eggs are good or bad. Veruca. Man, this was weird. Veruca gets a song here. Veruca Salt, she's like, I want one of those golden geese. And her dad's like, Alright, Wonka. Alright, mate. What uh, What do you want for it? I'll give you... I'm the richest man... You ever heard of nuts? I'm the richest man... I'm the nut man. I make all the nuts you've ever had, yeah? <laughs> Go on, Wonka. I mean, unless he has a monopoly on nuts, there's no way that he's this rich to be like, name your price. Name I'll buy your that. Price. I'll buy that magic golden goose from you and don't even worry about it. I got the money in the bank. Like, yeah. So th- th- these chocolate egg, golden chocolate egg laying geese are apparently not for sale... And Veruca starts singing a song. I got a note, man. Like, this is only kind of a musical. Like, we've only had, like, four yeah. or five songs at this point, right? Why does Veruca get a song? Veruca gets a song. It's weird. Like, none of the other kids get one. No. Like, Charlie doesn't get a song. He gets half a song, yeah. Charlie gets to share in Uncle Joe's song. Like, a little bit. Veruca gets a whole song. Like, I gotta wonder. Like, did the actress playing Veruca Salt just have the best pipes? Like, I was that it? so, right? Like, because she actually does all right. I want the world. I'm Veruca Salt. Give me all the stuff in the world. She, I'm Veruca Salt. She also sings, I want a bean feast. What the fuck is a bean feast? Yep. Like, uh, what is a bean? Well, listen, hey, no, I'll, I'll be dead honest. I fucking love me some beans, dude. Mm. I take them to beans all the time. Beans are a delicious food group. Yeah. What the fuck is a bean feast, though? And why, when you're, like, getting ponies and boats and fucking golden geese, are you like, the thing that I want most is a bean feast. A feast of beans! Maybe Black just... beans, kidney beans, pinto <laughs> beans, fava beans, <laughs> any kind of beans for me, Veruca Salt! <laughs> Maybe in the 70s they were very scarce. I don't yeah. know. And then she ultimately climbed on top of the good egg bad egg scale it judges her as a bad egg and she falls down the trapdoor into the incinerator yes (laughs) as as we hear fucking Henry Soul's like alright Wonka where the bloody hell did did she go and then like Wonka's like oh she's down in the incinerator Uh, I don't know if it burns her today and then like he's like he's gonna burn into a sausage and he's like oh well you know whatever and then like Henry's like oh god Veruca I'm coming and then like he jumps down the shoes jumps down yeah so we get our third Oompa Loompa song where they're basically singing a morality tale about being a greedy bitch like Veruca Salt was and for some reason as we're about to learn Again, we get words on screen, but they're coming up on a TV. It's yeah. always just like, what do you get when your child's a brat? Who can you blame for that? The, the mother, mother and the father. We can't do any more. It's not fair use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, also, I, I also have here, at this point, I'm just kind of like, this is all an elaborate ruse for Wonka to Home Alone civilians and satisfy his bloodline. Yeah, dude. It's basically like, like Home Alone 2. Like yeah. He lures them into his factory exactly. so he can kill them. Yes. We have 15 minutes left in this movie. Yeah. Any modern movie 
would have already hit the climax, right? Like, the last 15 minutes is the come down and the credits. This movie, still accelerating, dude. Pedal to the floor till the fucking credits mm. roll. Because we're moving right along. The remaining children get into this weird Wonka car that's powered by soda. It drives 20 meters, starts spraying soda all over the place. Wonka's like, strong like a lion! <laughs> it drives through this fucking portcullis and all of them get clean. And then he's like, well, there we go. We did it. We made it through the Wonka wash. Arguably completely pointless. They could have just walked. An anyway. utterly pointless scene. Yeah. Like, achieves nothing. And we won't dwell on it. Because now, we're on to the Wonka vision scene. So basically what we have here is Wonka, uh, here's another one of my cool inventions, wear these protective suits. Everyone gets dolled up in these, uh, white suits. Wonka's Oompa Loompas bring out this gigantic bar of, uh, Wonka chocolates. And they use this kind of, like, laser yeah. gun, essentially. He's like, you know how TV works? And the, the mic TV's like, I do! You take a picture of something, it gets broken up into a million bits and blasted through the air, and then your TV puts it all back together in the right order. And he's like... That's right! Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we're doing with chocolate! Yeah, and so, so Wonka does this, he blasts his chocolate, it turns into a million pieces, and then it's reformed, quite small. Dude. Uh, Charlie runs up to the TV, grabs it, has a bite, and is like, it's perfect! And Wonka's like, yeah, I gotta it's say, delicious. Dude, this is by far the most incredible of Wonka's inventions. Oh, dude. He's invented... Quantum teleportation. Yeah, dude. He's able to break a chocolate bar down into its fundamental atomic components, transmit it through the air, and reassemble it at a different location. He has to be on that military The man is a genius. He He has to have military funding. He just needs to work out how to not make them shrink. And how to not murder children at every step. But I guess... Uh, I mean, that's know, in the military, whatever. DARPA's probably not that concerned yeah, yeah. about that. So Mike TV wants to know, after seeing the chocolate teleported, if Wonka can teleport him, <laughs> the course. first boy ever to be teleported <laughs> by a TV! And he's like, stop, don't, come back. Yeah. And his mom's like, don't do it, Mikey! You don't know what'll happen! But he's already there, he's hitting himself with the ray gun, he's broken into a million pieces and shot through the air! And then he comes out in the TV, really tiny. Now again... Shrinking down to a very small size, kind of fetishable. Yeah, right? that's I, true. That's true. Again, I mean, if you got like a vol fetish, it's gonna be so easy. Like right? three out of four child deaths in this movie are like disgusting and kind of fetish adjacent. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> At this point, man, I gotta note, Mike TV, tangible piece of information for the Star Trek teleporter problem. Have you heard about this, like, philosophical no. problem of, like, the idea of, like, a teleporter? So it's, it's something that's, like, typically referred to in Star Trek. The idea that, like, if I get into a teleporter and I teleport somewhere else, is there, like, a transfer of persistent consciousness yeah, from one body to the yeah, next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is the body destroyed and then a new body is Kind of the prestige or something like that, And yeah. we don't know because we don't understand what consciousness is. The boy is broken down into his fundamental atomic components and reassembled verbatim on a smaller scale. It's feasible that the reassembled boy has all the memories and personality traits of the original boy. Yeah, it certainly seems to. But is it the same boy? These are the deep philosophical yeah. dramas of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I gotta hope it's the same boy, because I, I want to be able to teleport someday. Listen, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you right now. If I could have any superpower, teleportation. Persistent transfer of teleported consciousness? Highly, highly remakeable. <laughs> Probably right. our most niche remakeable. Yes, I'd say so. So, uh, um, real quick though, what if you would have any superpower, what would it be? Probably control over ooze. Okay. 
So that's a fetish thing. The ability to that's, like that's, conjure yeah. and manipulate ooze. I don't know why your fetish is ooze, dude. <laughs> but you talk about ooze too much. Like, yeah, I like ooze. Ooze is fun, but you talk about it too much. I play with the Power Rangers and Ivan Ooze. Oh, of course. You know? Uh, was that Power Rangers? Yeah, it was. Power Rangers 2? Yeah, yeah Power Rangers 2. Ivan Ooze, dude, yeah, of course. Yeah, or Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Ooze. Okay. A lot of ooze-based media was in taken in my childhood. You know? Explaining so, this. This, yes. hor- this horrifying ooze creature we see before yes, us. look. Okay? I don't need that to be my personal brand. Don't, don't tweet at me about ooze. So Mike gets picked up, uh, and Wonk is like, "We got to put him in the taffy puller." Yeah, the good the good thing is that little boys are very stretchable. Yep. And then he like the the umbalumba whispers something to him, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry, you won't be liable. Uh, we can't address that. We have to move on. <laughs> we can't." So we're in town next umbalumba song. Mike's mother faints and is dragged away by some umbalumpas. And the well, um- yeah, like fucking Wonka causes this woman's mental breakdown. It's yeah. kind of like, ha. Nice. Yeah, she gets dragged away, and we get a slightly swung version of the Oompa Loompa song. It's yeah. Like, Oompa Loompa Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Yeah, and dude, <laughs> this is like the most close-up on the dancing we get of this Oompa Loompa song. The dancing is so lackluster, dude. The yeah. cartwheels. Like, go watch this scene. I implore you if you have not seen it. But uh, moving very quickly along, it's just Charlie, Joe, and Wonka left. Everyone else has been murdered in the child murder factory. <laughs> and Wonka very unceremoniously is just like, well, goodbye, get out of here, there's the door, and goes into his little office. And Charlie's like, what about me lifetime supply of chocolate, Uncle Joe? And Joe's like, Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe's like, I'll go talk to that nasty Wonka for you, Charlie. And he goes into the room, and this room's so wacky, man. Yeah, Everything's in halves, the cabinets are cut in half, the desk is cut in half, the clock is cut in half. Like, it's actually really cool. Wonka's sitting there smoking half a cigar. (laughs) It's it's really weird, and he's writing at his desk. And then uh, we get what is maybe one of the best burns in cinematic history. This scene, yeah, was also something that as a child really spooked me good. It just goes so hard with, like, Joe being like, well, what about, what about Charlie? Like, what about the light of the fire chocolate? What about him winning? Wonka's just like, you get nothing! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir! Turns out they violated some contracts uh, when they stole the fizzy lifting drink, the yeah. contract that they signed that they couldn't read. I mean, read. M- messages don't sign a contract you can't read, which yeah, is pretty obvious, exactly. but whatever. So then, this fucked me up. Joe, fucking lying, sneaky, lazy Joe gets on his high horse. He's like, you're a real fucking piece of shit, Wonka, you know that? <laughs> he basically says that. He's like, yeah. you're a lying cheat, you fucking piece of shit. And then he says, you're an inhuman Human monster. monster. Which is like, okay, fair enough. He did just murder no, no, fair, yeah, like, but That's true. Yeah. Like, George shouldn't be the one saying it, but given that he's the only person that survived, yeah, the but- only adult person that has survived, Joe is like... You're an inhuman monster, and Wonka's like, yes, I've killed four children. The thing that's fucked up is, he's not calling him an inhuman monster because he's killed four children. He would have been quite happy to leave, and never mention the deaths of the four children. He calls him an inhuman monster because he won't give Charlie free chocolate. Not, he's like, how could you build up a little boy's (laughs) hopes and then dash them like that, you inhuman monster? Never mind the four kids you murdered! Yeah, but listen, here's the thing. Joe gets his secret powers from chocolate. And That's so true. if he goes back That's to cabbage water, he'll lose the ability to walk. And so Joe <laughs> is, like, very invested in a lifetime supply of chocolate so he can continue moving. 
<laughs> you just made me choke on my wine. <laughs> Ugh, fuck you. So they're leaving. He's like, all right, Charlie, if Slugworth wants that gobstopper, we'll give it to him. And Charlie's like, no, Grandpa Joe. And he walks over to Wonka's desk, puts the everlasting gobstopper on his desk, and is like, goodbye. And then Wonka's like, you win! It was all a test! <laughs> yeah, you I win! I love you, Charlie! Fucking Slugworth barrels in. He's like, this is Mr. Wilkinson. He was never Slugworth. So it turns out Slugworth was an actor. We've never actually met Slugworth. It's unclear if he even exists. Yeah. But uh, it turns out he was an actor, and Charlie's won something. We don't know what yet. Is that really like, explain? Sorry to put you through that, Charlie. I just had to know you were a decent child. Yeah. I know you are. So come through to my Wonka Vader. Yeah. And they just burst through a wall into the Wonka Vader, and he's like, I've pressed every button in this thing. Every button except for one. Fucking Charlie hops up and presses his button. They fucking launch through the ceiling. Dude, Wonka just smashes his own factory ceiling. Like, just, just to fucking, I guess, make a point. They're rocketing up in the sky. It's... It's bonkers. Like, it makes, it makes Dude, no sense. I have here, the film ends by them shooting into the sky in a flying elevator. Like, literally, there's no reason for them to be in the elevator. That's the fucked up thing. So th- this scene, basically, to sum it up really quickly, Wonka's basically like, I needed a child to be my heir. I want to retire. I don't want to keep working in the factory forever. I couldn't let an adult take over because an adult would want to do everything their way. A kid's going to do things the way my I want way. them done. Yeah. Which is kind of... Horrifying. But like, I don't know, that's kind of cool. It's kind of like in tone of the original source material. But basically, why are they in the elevator? Like, Doesn't this could have all taken sense. place in his office. They get in an elevator, they rocket off into space. And credits literally yeah. roll as they're just rocketing into space in the elevator. He's like, you inherit the factory, Charlie. Your whole family can yeah. move in. What is the message of this film? Okay. Like, I think I have it, Jackson. Okay, go. I think I have it. I think the message of this film is that by passing his line... Uh, of inheritance from one white male to another white male, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he can successfully break the glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Willy Won! <laughs> oh shit, Willy Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> so, this has been Still Interested. You can check me out on Twitter at MrBTMcAllister. <clears throat> and me at Jackson underscore Yusud. Thank you so much for your listenership and just for checking us out. It's been, and it's you're, been real. You're all great. And if you want to check out the show, that's at SI Curio Show. That's it's the like one. that movie Sicario, but instead Securio. Yeah, it's Securio Show. Yeah. Securio Show. Yeah. We're big fans of Javier Bardem. Was he in that movie? No, you're thinking of uh, Benicio the Oh, Lord. Jesus, I am. That's yeah. right. Sorry about that, fans. Uh, or get it at Curio Network <laughs> on Facebook or Twitter. I think we're into the post-show roundup. What do you think? You better believe it. Should we run through some MVPs? Should we run through some uh, points of remakeability? Please, for me. So my first MVP, I think a hard one to top, the Candyman. Candyman, dude. From Bill's Candy Shop. So good. Pretty great. Pretty great. Next in, I've got the computer that that scientist boy tries (laughs) to get to tell him where the golden tickets are. That's not bad. After that, I've got Mrs. Curtis, who couldn't decide on her husband okay. or her box of nice. Wonka chocolates. This is nice. Pretty, pretty good. At this point, I think I have MVP to Slugworth. Yep, Slugworth uh, is in there. Talking children. And then I next have uh, Charlie's mum. Yep, I've also got Charlie's mum. Man, that's going to be a hard one. To yeah. Me. She fucking gets one for me right there. Uh, then I've got uh, Mr. Salt for uh, just wanting some fucking booze when he's taking his kid on a tour through a factory. He's like, oh, butter scotch and butter gin. Yeah, go on, Wonka, give us a pinch. That deserves an MVP nom. I had a uh, MVP for Wonka for having a breakdown while ferrying four children in his boat. Man, yeah, okay. So that that's all of them, I think. Yeah. Of those ones, 
I mean, it's got to be Charlie's mum. Right? I think Charlie's mum like, has to Literally be. none of this film could have occurred if it wasn't for her. For her, like, sacrifice as well. And she doesn't even get invited. I know. She doesn't even get invited like, to like, the factory. Charlie doesn't even take two seconds to be like, wow, my mum's really the one running my household. He takes... Not my granddad that's been in bed for 20 my years. My shithead lying granddad. But there's another way of looking at this film in which when he says, like, ah, oh, granddad... I wish you could come along, but you never walked in 20 years. Maybe he's years. just trying to get him away from the rest of the family because he's a fucking real piece of shit. And maybe that, but or maybe he just didn't think his granddad could walk. Yeah. And so he was like, oh, granddad, if only you could come along. Love to take Anyway, you, and before he was like, hey, mum, like, his grandpa Joe was like, Charlie, look at me go! And then, like, he just started running around the room. I like to think that one of those two alternates is true. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, really, I think we're agreed. Gotta be Charlie's mum, who I don't think gets a name and who we never see again. Yeah, Mrs. Right. Mrs. Bucket. But what I really want to know, dude, is do you have any trivia for me? I have so much trivia oh, for you. Fucking lay it on me, dude. Some of it is incredibly good. So this is probably something that like people will have seen on the internet in the past. The reactions of the actors in some scenes are spontaneous. For example, when the children first enter the chocolate room and see the candy gardens, their reactions are real because it was their first view of the set. I think that's probably part of what makes that scene so magical. Yeah, that the kids walking in on this fucking amazing set. Continuing on that note, after reading the script, Gene Wilder said he would take the role of Willy Wonka under one condition. Oh, no. That he would be allowed to limp and then suddenly somersault in the scene when he first meets the children. <laughs> when the director asked why, Gene Wilder replied that having Wonka do this meant that, from that time on, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> the director asked, if I say no, you won't do the picture? And Gene Wilder said, I'm afraid that's the truth. He was, like, hung up on that somersault scene. I mean, it's iconic, dude. Yeah, and apparently, like, the other actors didn't know about it, and so that was, like, spontaneous for them as well. Is that like, why they were all, like, silent? They were like, yeah, oh, they fuck. Were like, oh, gee, this is awkward. This five-minute scene of him walking up. Yeah. We've met Gene before. He doesn't have a limp. What's going on? He must have hurt himself. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, here's something that's fucked up. The Wonkatania, which is the boat in the Chocolate River, was on a track in the Chocolate River. Yeah. But the actor playing the Oompa Loompa at the helm thought he was actually steering it. <laughs> For the sake of believability, the director didn't tell him the truth. He was like, you gotta drive the ship, dude. So he's at the helm like, oh, fuck. This is the most important job I've ever had. Uh, it sells in the scene, dude. Dude, this ties into our alternate narrative. Ernst Ziegler who played Grandpa George, was nearly blind from poison gas in World War One, So he was instructed to look for a red light to guide him when his character was meant to be looking in a certain direction. Even Juliet Dawn Cole, don't know who that is, was fooled by the scene in which Willie limps out of the factory to greet the golden ticket winners. She mentions in the DVD commentary that she thought Gene Wilder had injured his leg <laughs> and Finley would have to be temporarily halted because of it. This is something that being just as shocked uh, by Willie Somersault as the audience is. Dude, such a prank. Yeah. Oh, this is fucked up. The Chocolate River was made from 150,000 gallons of water, real chocolate, and cream. That's not like dyed water, man. That's real chocolate and cream in the water. It began to spoil, and by the end of filming, smelled terrible. Oh, <laughs> so you can imagine no. them, them all standing around the chocolate river, like, it smells terrible. So, like, when, when like, fucking, like, like Henry Soul's like, that's our sewerage waste you got there, mate. Like, that's Dude. legit. Gene Wilder's acting during the boat ride scene was so convincing 
that it frightened some of the other actors. <laughs> they thought that Wilder... Dude, that's why I got an MVP for me. They thought Wilder really was going mad for being in the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie Bucket, yeah, made, he did a good job, dude. made no other films. He turned down a five-picture contract because he didn't want to make acting his career. He became a veterinarian. In fact, of all the children... Only Julie Dawn Cole, who was Veruca's salt. Oh, that was oh. Um, the actress from before, who yeah. didn't realize the thing, is still in acting as of 2013. During. Alright, this is fucked up, man. This is completely fucked. During the Wonka Wash car scene, that pointless fucking scene, mm. the foam used to spurt out was compiled from basic fire extinguishers. But what was unknown to the cast and crew was that the foam itself was a potent skin irritant. So after the scene, the actors were left in considerable discomfort when their skin puffed up oh, and required God. several days to receive medical treatment oh, and recovery. Oh. So they fully got sprayed by fire extinguishers in that scene. That is fucked up. According to director Mel Stewart's pure imagination, the making Willy Wonka, when Gene Wilder walked into audition... Stuart knew before he'd even uttered a single word that he'd found his Willy Wonka. Oh, God. <laughs> the audition convinced him even further. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. I mean, Gene Wilder's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the chocolate bars are actually made of wood. Oh, God. <laughs> How hard is it to get chocolate? <laughs> yeah, you know, chocolate doesn't look like chocolate on TV. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, dude. <laughs> Dude, dude, I've got the one. The definitive one. During a song, I Want It Now, Veruca mentions a bean feast. Okay, yes. This is a British expression that means a dinner at a scenic locale, often given by what? an employer. A what? bean feast. <laughs> it has a specific <laughs> I want the bean feast. Oh my god, dude. Uh... So we've got to give this film some remake ability ratings, Jackson. Mm-hmm. i got to say, like, of the movies we've watched and still interested, I enjoyed this one probably the most. Yeah, I'm up there with you, dude. Like, I think it was very good. And I think it's also highly remakeable. So do I. I think it's time to give it some ratings. All right, got a rating for you. Please. Now, I think this film, like, as you say, like, very, very enjoyable and that sort of thing, I think it's a real classic. I, I think, like, that 1971 film, it still holds up. But there's some stuff you can play with. Yeah. So I am going to give it three out of four bedridden grandparents. That's a pretty high rating, Jackson. I'm tempted to go with like four out of five naughty golden ticket winning children, but I think that's too Classic, easy. Yeah. I'm going to give it 700,000 out of 760,000 shut <laughs> candy bars for Rukasol's golden ticket. <laughs> Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chappell. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. 
Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks.